Father, this evening, even as we are here in your presence in the sanctuary, in the middle of this work week, Father, we have come not to hear from God, from man, but from God. We've come to hear from you, our Heavenly Father, because you and you alone have the words of life. I don't. Not my ideas. My ideas don't have life. Even if I speak scripture, if it is not anointed by your spirit, O Lord, it will only bring death. It will bring death into our lives because you said, O Lord, the letter kills, but it is a spirit that brings life. O Lord, I pray this evening you would enliven us again, O Lord. Revive us again. Father, that Lord, we will be cogent hearers of your truth. That we'll just not be hearers of your word, but also doers. Father, that we will continue to examine our hearts. Give me the grace, O Lord, Father, this evening to communicate your word with clarity. And Lord, let your word bring forth life in us, O Lord. Let it not come back void but let it accomplish the purpose for which it has been spoken. I surrender myself and I surrender each one of us. Anoint us to speak and to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we will continue in the series that we've been looking at uh, from uh, the last several weeks that I've been, that I've been studying, um, titled this message as declaring that God is just. We will try to see what it means. And before we go there, we will try to review what we have been studying uh, in the last few uh, Sundays and Wednesdays. We've been looking at that particular verse from Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14, righteousness and justice have been held back and equity does not enter because truth has fallen in the streets. And that is the central verse that we've been studying. And, and I believe that um, it's very important for us to continue to meditate upon that uh, even as we progress towards the end of this year. And even as we are here on the first, first day of, uh, second day of the 11th month, uh, let's continue to prepare ourselves and examine our own hearts. So let's move on. And uh, one verse that we looked at last Sunday, just by the by way of review, I want to I want to look at that verse, uh, Romans chapter six, one verse sixteen to eighteen. Actually, let's read from verse sixteen. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also to the Greek. That is the verse that we, that Pastor James was talking about and alluding to in all of his messages, especially in the last few, few ones, a uh, few messages, the three times this particular verse has been mentioned, um, in, uh, in the New Testament. That's verse 17. For in it, in the gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, a quotation from Habakkuk chapter 2. And verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And that is the reason why God has to come and give us the gospel. 
You see that there's a there's a flow of thought. I am not ashamed of the gospel. You'll see that uh, why is this for coming in the previous two verses? It says, as much as is in me, I'm, I want to preach the gospel to you in Rome as well. Why does he say that? In the previous verse, he says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise, and as much as is in me, I want to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Why? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel. This for is so crucial. For I am not ashamed of the gospel in it, uh, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And verse 17, because in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for the just shall live by faith. Why? Because for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And you have an entire train of thought that Paul is going to communicate to us. But there are three becauses over here. I'm preaching the gospel because I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God to salvation. Why? Because in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Why? Because the wrath of God is against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Therefore, we made five observations from these three verses in the last message. I just want to review that. What is um, the, the five observations that we looked at? First thing, gospel reveals the righteousness of God. What, or rather, what, what is the righteousness of God? Who God really is in all his sanctity, purity, holiness. Also the fact that also reveals what God requires from man that he should be declared as just. You see? That is the reason why we have studied Micah chapter 6 verse 8 in the last Wednesday's message. It says, what does he require from you, O man, that you should do justly, that you should love mercy, and that you should walk humbly before the Lord. Therefore, the, therefore the gospel, or rather the righteousness of God, expects something from us in order for, in order for us to be able to stand before him. All right, um, that's a famous question of uh, of Socrates, right? Socrates, the famous Greek philosopher, had this question: How is it possible that God will forgive sin? He says, "It may be that God will forgive sin, but I don't see how." And the question he says is: How is it possible the holy God, being absolutely righteous, absolutely holy, absolutely infinitely just and completely set apart from his creation, how can he let go of sin without judging it? In other words, how can he reconcile his justice and his mercy at the same time? That was a question that he had. And that's exactly what Paul is actually amplifying. He says, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God in all his purity and sanctity and his holiness that is absolutely set apart from creation. That's what he he reveals. Second, what does he reveal? He reveals the fact that all of us are unrighteous and fall short of God's glory, God's requirements. Oh boy, even the best, even the best of men, Romans chapter 3 verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. That's, that's interesting, right? When God reveals himself and he's, and he's trying to convince us, he says, I am not a man that I should lie. So what does it mean? It says, it means even the 
most righteous, even the best of men, when compared to God, are liars. That's what it means. That's, that is the reason we need the gospel. But this is, new, is it good news? Not yet good news, right? The third observation that we made, that we are in trouble with God. Because the wrath of God is revealed <laughs> no, against us. Therefore, we are in trouble with God. But, what is the gospel? It is a power of God to save. That means God intends to save us. He intends and He desires to justify us. So in order to do that, in order to, in order for God to save us from himself, he sends himself, takes the punishment of our sin upon himself, and if we accept that by faith, we are declared as righteous. That is the gospel. But does he stop there? No, 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 he doesn't stop there. Just by mere declaring us righteous, it doesn't solve the problem. We have committed several sins. But the fact remains that we are all sinners by nature. Therefore, he has to change us from within. That is the second part of the gospel. And therefore, God not only desires to save us from the penalty of our sin, God desires to make us truly righteous from within, inside of us. And that is the reason why Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, he says, what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God has done how? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. What did he do? And for sin, he he condemned Jesus Christ, his own son, for our sin. So that, so that, the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk after the spirit and not according to the flesh. What does that mean? We do not have to be condemned. They don't have, there doesn't have to be condemnation in our lives. Once and we don't have to walk with condemnation for the rest of our lives. We can always have a right standing with God. Not because he has declared us righteous. Now he is also producing righteousness within us by faith even as we walk with him. And what is walking by faith? Essentially Romans chapter 8 says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not gratify. That is Galatians 3 chapter 5. If you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the flesh. Romans chapter 8 will also say, if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live for as many as are led by the sons, as the spirit of God are called the sons of God. So there is a continuous cleansing of us, even as we walk with the Lord. It's a remarkable thing that God not only declares us righteous, he makes us righteous through and through. That is the gospel. So that is the righteousness of God. But what is the righteous requirements of God? Or in other words, how does God justify or rather in other words if i have to put the question in other words uh, in a different way we had two uh, two parts in last sunday's message the first part we briefly observed what what the gospel is second what is the righteousness of god in other words how does god judge because he judges in righteousness right that's what it says so what does it mean to be justified what does it mean to walk in genuine righteousness how does god judge is a question so therefore that is that is the reason why we were looking at that and we'll continue uh, uh, on that part of the message from today uh, today as well so this is romans chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 look at what it says therefore you you know you know how romans chapter 1 ends they they are all sinners 
they are all sinners. They did this. They were blasphemers. They were adulterers. They were uh, ungrateful. They were disobedient to parents, etc., etc. They, 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 they. And Romans chapter 2 will start. You. It's a difference. God is going to zero in on us and he's going to put his microscope into our lives. That's what he does. That is, what, that is exactly the reason why the word of God is called, is called a double-edged sword because it cuts to the bone and the marrow. It discerns between the soul and the spirit, not even the flesh. You have flesh, soul and, 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 and sorry, body, soul and spirit. Soul and the spirit. He's going to divide the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and he's going to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He's going to completely zero in into our hearts and he's going to prove to us, Baba, you are a sinner. So look at what he says. And therefore you are inexcusable, O oh man. Whoever you are who judge, because we are so good, right? Yes, Lord, those homosexuals, they, <laughs> they, those liars, etc., etc. We don't realize that when we are condemning somebody else, as we say, I, I, I tell some people, no, we live in a three-dimensional finger-pointing zone. What is that? If you are in physics, did you learn right-hand rule? Okay, the woman, sorry, this woman that you gave, he is a sinner. You, I am not the problem. It's like this always. That is the reason in Isaiah 58 he says, I hate finger pointing. Fingers are never pointing pointing towards us. It's always like this. You are a problem, Lord. That fellow is a problem. This person is a problem. Then God is going to zero in on to us. Because even our confession is like that. I am a sinner just like everybody else. You see? For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. You don't realize that. Because we are so quick to judge others. We looked at that. But we know, the first principle, but we know the judgment of God is what? According to truth. Against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? And the next verse, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you leads you to repentance, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. He calls it the righteousness, righteous judgment of God. Why? Because this is a judgment of God based upon truth. These principles have to be ingrained in our mind. You know, the first four things that the apostles did when they started the church. You know what they did? Four things. Four things. First thing, Apostles, doctrine. Second thing, fellowship. Third thing, breaking of bread. Fourth thing, prayers. Why apostles' doctrine? Because your mind has to be continuously thinking God's thoughts. Why fellowship? Because fellowship is a way by which we forgive one another and also take correction from one another. Why breaking of bread? Because breaking of bread is a place where we judge ourselves according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then we do prayer. Every other prayer is unacceptable to God. You see? So treasuring, we need to start thinking the way God God does. How does God judge? According to truth. Therefore, we looked at two principles of God's judgment uh, last time. In 
judgment of God is according to truths, is according to cumulative guilt, not ahead of time. Both these things. He doesn't immediately judge. He doesn't judge immediately. What does he do first? The wrath of God is against you. But there are two stages of the wrath of God. There is the wrath of God which is being revealed. There is also a day called the day of the wrath of the Lord. What is the first stage of the wrath of the Lord? He is going to give us over to uncleanness. He is going to give us over to wild passions. He is going to give us over to a debased mind. Hoping that when we come to the end of ourselves, we will repent. Hoping. Even that, even when he is expressing the wrath of God, he is still just, he is still merciful. That is the reason why he says, right, my reign follows both on the righteous and the unrighteous. Do you know why people are still prospering apart from the, instead of the fact. Also, the fact remains that people do not like God, yet they prosper in the world. Why? Yet nothing seems to happen happen to them. And that is the reason why, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, I think uh, one of the psalmists, not David, not even the sons of Korah, uh, As- Asaph, one of the psalm of Asaph, he says, Lord, why do the why do the wicked prosper? Why do the wicked prosper? Why do the wicked prosper? They seem to have everything going their way. They even name streets according to their names. Then he says, until I went to the house of God. And when I went to the house of God, I knew what their end is going to be. Okay? So God does not immediately judge. He waits, waits for two things. Why is he not, why is he judging according to truth? And why is he judging according, uh, uh, not, not judging ahead of time? Two reasons. Uh, two ways, and uh, the, the, the only reason rather why he's not doing that is Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, knowing that the goodness of God should lead you to repentance? You cannot escape that. See, when you are discussing the righteousness of God, you can never, ever, ever escape the fact that you not only repent, that you continuously repent. How do I, how do I know? At least in a very, very simple way, you know. When Peter comes and says, how many times should I forgive my brother? If a brother sins against you and comes and repents, forgive him. If a brother, that means that fellow is a particular member in the body of Christ. That means he's a justified sinner. If a justified sinner, so let me rephrase it. If a justified sinner comes to you and says, I have sinned against you, forgive him. If he comes to you seven times, seventy times in a day, forgive him. That means repentance itself is an ongoing process. Because there are so many areas in our life that God has to still shed light. And every time we sin, it's always, it always has a relational dimension to it. It always, always does. That is the reason why he says the righteous requirement of the law. What is the righteous requirement of the law? If you love your brother, you have already fulfilled the law. That's what it says in Romans chapter 13. Every other commandment, thou shall not commit adultery, thou shall shall not steal, thou shall not murder, thou shall not covet all these commandments and any other commandment is fulfilled in one commandment, thou shall love your neighbor as yourself because love is the fulfillment of the law and therefore if you haven't loved that way, you have sinned. 
And therefore you need to continuously, constantly repent. Therefore repentance is important and we can never, ever, ever, ever circumvent that. You cannot say, okay, fine, repentance is over, let's go to the next topic. No, no, it's not like that. <laughs> okay. Second, second Peter chapter three verse nine, as I mentioned, it is not, it is not before time. It is according to cumulative guilt. God never ever judges according to time, uh, before time. He, he also suggests don't judge anything before time. Okay. Look at what it says in second Peter chapter three verse nine. The Lord, that is, I'm sorry, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to Repentance. That is the reason why he withholds his judgment. And therefore, the first requirement that we need to have a right standing before God, to have a right standing before God is this. Everybody let us read together before we fall asleep completely. <laughs> Let's read that together, please. I know we're all tired. It's a, it's a middle of the work week, but it's okay. You can still be fired up in the house of God. See, I haven't slept through the day, so. <laughs> the righteousness of God requires genuine repentance. Okay? The righteousness of God requires genuine repentance. Why? What do you mean by that, Vijay? How are you saying that when you repent, you actually Fulfill the righteous requirements of God. Okay, so how how is it that that the righteous uh, sorry genuine repentance helps us to get the first requirement that it fulfills the right, righteous requirement of God? How how do you know that? Look at one a very interesting verse. Okay, very interesting verse. We look at it in different contexts. We know this verse, but look at it in this context. Luke's Gospel, chapter seven. Verse 28 onwards. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And look at what the next verse says. When all the people heard him, even the tax collectors, what did they do? What did they do? Justified God. I was thinking that God is the one who justifies us. Having been baptized with the baptism of John. Then next verse. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. You remember? When the Pharisees and the tax collectors came, you generation of vipers bring forth Fruit that is bearing with repentance. But you didn't do it. Therefore, I'm not going to baptize you. I mean, they come come and ask Jesus now, with what authority do you do such things? <laughs> and Jesus will say, I will also ask you a question. The baptism of John, was it from heaven? Or is what was it from man? They go into a huddle and discuss, no? If we say it is from heaven, then he will ask us, why did you not get baptized? If you say it is from men, the people will stone us because they, they thought that John was a prophet. We don't know. I also don't know. I will also not tell you. You see, that's exactly the attitude of a Pharisee. He will never confess and repent of his sin. Why? Because he does not do it, 
He does not do the next part. Look at what I said. Let's read it. By genuine repentance, we declare God to be righteous. You see that? Look at the very powerful verse in uh, Micah. I want to read this for you. A beautiful, beautiful verse because we looked at Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Okay, what does it God require you? To do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. And look at Micah chapter 7 verses 8 and 9. Very interesting verse. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. The reason why I am under the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned. That means what? Lord, you are right and I am wrong. That is what David will say. Lord, you never dealt with us according to our sins. You never rewarded us according to our iniquities and I am going through this. I deserved it actually. I deserve worse. When people say you deserve a promotion, you deserve this, you deserve that. First of all, you need to say, Lada, Baba, I don't deserve anything. A lot of people have this entitlement mentality. That is the problem with democracy. We are entitled for this. Nobody is entitled for anything. We are actually entitled for hell. Any, any other thing that we get, even a lesser temperature in hell, is mercy of God. You see? God does not owe us anything. In fact, the breath that we take today, the very fact that we are alive is because of the mercy of God and if anyone has to die, God still will not apologize because we deserved it. You see? We don't deserve anything from God. I have sinned against him. We'll come back to that. Very very important verse. Until what does he do? He pleads my cause. Wow. How does he do? And, ex- and he executes judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I will behold his righteousness. You can take this as a promise and r- underline it with pink pen if you are a girl and green pen if you are a boy. Okay, So it's a powerful, powerful verse that God will plead our cause, he will execute judgment for us and he will declare us righteous and you know what I'll do? Lord, I have sinned. Genuine repentance. Next statement. What does it tell me? Therefore, what is what is one inference that I make from these three verses? One inference or other, these two, uh, th- uh, two verses, one inference. Let us read together. Genuine repentance is a we cannot repent of ourselves. I have sinned. That the only thing I can acknowledge is I have sinned, Lord. You have to plead my cause. You have to execute judgment for me. You have to vindicate me. I can never vindicate myself. The moment you vindicate yourself, God says, sorry, I can't do anything now. Either you vindicate yourself or I vindicate myself. I vindicate you. That is the gospel, right? God, the righteous judge, also becomes our advocate in the form of Christ Jesus, and pleads our cause before him. In other words, look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if 
God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. You see that? Everything connected to these two things. God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they will know the truth. So that they know the truth. You see? So what is the essence therefore of all genuine repentance? What is the essence? 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see that again, again, that is coming. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. You see that everything coming together, uh, what we studied uh, in the last uh, Sunday. We make him a liar and the word, which is his, uh, and his word, which is truth, is not in us. Therefore, uh, just wanted to uh, sum it up. Essence of all genuine repentance. Genuine repentance, repentance upholds the truth about God and about us. We declare the fact that we are liars and God is true. We justify God and therefore God justifies us. Okay? Let that sink in for a few minutes. That is how this man, uh, excuse me, just a minute please. Uh, why is this? Why is this? Oh. Excuse me. Yep. The prodigal son, when he comes back, he says, and the son said unto his father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no, worth, no more worthy to be called your son. This is how we do it. We justify God and God justifies us. What did he say? I have sinned. What did Micah say? I have sinned. Okay. There are so many people who said I have sinned. In the Bible. We'll track all of them today. Not all of them, a few of them. Okay. We'll track all the people who said I have sinned. The first person who said I have sinned is Christ Tabernacle Church. The first person in the Bible who said I have sinned. Adam didn't say. <laughs> Even though he sinned. Cain cared less about confessing. Even Abraham didn't say. Instead of the fact that he sold his wife almost. The most unlikely of persons in the Bible who said I have sinned for the first time. You know who that person is? Let us read from Exodus chapter 9, verse 25 onwards. And the hail struck, this is the seventh plague, throughout the whole land of Egypt. Interesting, you should see the, the intricacies of the text, okay? The hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt and all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. You need to understand, why do we struck? Study the Old Testament because Old Testament, the, all these things have been written to us for our examples upon whom the ends of the world have come. 
That is First Corinthians chapter 10 for you. So this guy, seventh plague has broken out. What has happened? Hail struck every beast and every man who was in the field died. That means the slaves and the animals died. Then what happened? Verse 27. Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned this time. I have? Who said the first time? The first person who said I have sinned. He's not a Jew. <laughs> He's an Egyptian. <laughs> okay. I have sinned this time, he said. The Lord is righteous. I'm justifying God. You see? I'm justifying God. <laughs> the Lord is righteous. And my people and I are wicked. Notice everything, okay? Let us read together. I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous. My people and I are wicked. What we call as it's called legal repentance. Without even grammatical errors. In other words, brother come here. This is called a sinner's prayer. Say I have sinned. I have sinned. I am wicked. I am wicked. Here he also says something else. My people and I are wicked. It's not I and my people, okay? So grammatically also correct. My people and I are wicked. Say, my people and I are wicked. Declared righteous. External repentance without any change of heart. External, they are all legal. Lord, today I want to confess my sin. I don't know. Confess, confess, Lord. But is there a change of heart? No. Legal repentance without any change of heart. How do I know this? That it was a real, only legal repentance. External repentance, external cryings without any change of heart. You know, that's that's the reason why I I was telling last time, God shows no, no partiality. What does it mean? God does not receive any man's face. Even when you're crying. He does not receive any man's face. That is the reason why he is. That's what it says, right? God is not a respecter of persons. What does he mean? He does not receive anybody's, anybody's face. It doesn't mean just because you're crying, you have a change of heart. How do I know this? Look at the next chapter. Sorry. This is actually chapter 10. Uh, and when Pharaoh saw the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sent yet more. And he hardened his heart and he and his servants So the Pharaoh was hard. The heart of the Pharaoh was hard. This is Exodus chapter 9 verse 34. So the, so the heart of the Pharaoh was hard. He hardened his heart even more. You see that? The moment you take away the pressure from your life, you, your true colors will come. Hard. That is the reason why Jesus says, right, today if you have heard the voice of God, do not harden your heart. What does it mean? There will come to a, come a point in your life where you cannot, even if God wants to cause you to repent, you've already set in your ways. So the heart of the Pharaoh was hard. Next verse, next time. How do I know this? Exodus chapter 10. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste. I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this time and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. Then, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The most dangerous thing. 
It starts with you hardening your heart and ultimately it says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. See? Somebody was talking about um, the neurons in your mind. How does the neurons in your body work? Okay, there's a specific pattern of thinking. It gives you pleasure, for example, let's say. And you have been indulging in that pleasure for, let's say, over a long period of time. That particular way is set in your mind. That is the reason why it says, if you walk according to the flesh, you will die. You will die. Why does he say that? Because those who walk according to the flesh cannot please God. Why? Because they have a mind which is set on the things of the flesh. It's a set mind. See, a set mind. That is the reason why he says, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to to the pulling down of strongholds to break those strongholds, those set patterns in our lives by the spirit of the spirit of God and by the word of God. Next, next person who said, I have sinned. Numbers chapter 22. Who is the next person who said I have sinned? Again, not a Jew. Numbers chapter 22. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know (laughs) you stood in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. That's what he's saying. If it displeases you, I will turn back. What does it mean? What what kind of a repentance is this? We want to live the way we want and still go to heaven when we die. A double-minded man. We want to live the way we want, but still go to heaven when we die. I mean, how do I know this? This is exactly what he says in Numbers chapter 23 when he is prophesying over Israel. Who can count? Numbers chapter 23 verse 10. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. And may my final end be like theirs. I want to live in my covetousness. I want to live in my idolatry. I want to live in my sin. And yet when I die, I want to go to heaven. That's exactly what is happening today. You can sin, Lord, brother, because your past sin, present sin, future sin, everything is, 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 is paid by the blood of Jesus. Doesn't matter. You are eternally secure. Really? What can separate us from the love of Christ? They all they will all quote those, those verses. You know what it says though? What can separate us from the love of God? Can persecution? Can tribulation? Can famine? Can distress? Can nakedness? Can danger? Because as it is written, for your sakes we have been what? Killed all the day long. That means they will never say the death to the flesh. They will never talk about that. But they will say you are eternally secure. See that? Very important. That's the next person who said, I have sinned. Another person which I found it very interesting. This time he's a Jew, okay? We'll leave the Gentiles and we'll come to the Jew. The first king of Israel. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. I'm declaring God to be righteous. And your words also. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You see? I feared the people, they sat on my head and obeyed their voice. 
1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, I pray you, before the elders of my people and before Israel. And turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. What is this kind of repentance? Concerned about what, not what God thinks, but what about man, what man thinks. That is the reason why 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 21 to 23. You have been bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. See? I'm coming to the next part, which I believe is a mono, possibly one of the most serious, most serious. You can underline this in your Bible. This is the first time, the next person. There's also Achan, we know the story of Achan. Okay? At least, at least I know, to the best of my knowledge, I know, at least you know that Pharaoh said, I have sinned. Uh, Balaam said, I have sinned. Achan said, I have sinned. Saul said, I have sinned. David said, I have sinned. You all, you all know these five people. But I want to show you one interesting guy whom you possibly don't know. He also said, I have sinned. And this possibly, probably is the most serious, the most serious. So they take, therefore take heed, take heed, okay? Look at this very interesting th- person. <clears throat> sorry, uh, sorry, this is, yeah. Second Samuel chapter 19, verse 18 onwards. Now Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, do not let my Lord impute iniquity to me or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my Lord, the king, left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. Okay? This is who? Shimei. Who is this Shimei? Who was cursing David even as he was going out. Verse 20. For I... Suddenly he has become his servant now. For I, your servant... Know that I have sinned. This is the classic case of bootlicking. This is, there is a phrase in English called bootlicking. You lick the boots of the guy who is powerful than you. And you stamp with your boots over the guy who is less powerful than you. That is Shemiah. You need to understand. How you handle power. It's so important, but that is not the sin that I'm amplifying today. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my Lord, the King. Is this genuine repentance? Everybody will think, this is, is this repentance? But look at the enormity of the crime, okay? The enormity of the sin is so important. Look at what he says. In the next verse, somebody says something. Abishai says something. He says in verse 21. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? This is possibly one of the most serious things. Remember this Deuteronomy, it's called Deuteronomy because it's uh, abbreviation for the second law. Or Moses is reiterating the law to the promised, I mean, to the to the Israelites who are going to enter into the promised land. Who are these Israelites? These are the Israelites who did not die in the desert. These are the children of the people of the of the people who rebelled against God, right from the age of twenty and less. So they were in the wilderness for forty years. So the eldest among them, apart from uh, Caleb, is sixty years old approximately, and the youngest is possibly forty. 
Okay, 40. So he's talking about a generation which has lost 40 years of their precious life because of the sins of their fathers. It was not their sin. Okay. And now, Moses, Moses says, when you enter into the promised land, you have to pronounce the blessings on one of the mountains and your curses on the other mountain. And when you say this, say according, according to this way, Cursed is the man who dishonors his father and his mother. And everybody will say, Amen. Who are these father and mother? It is, these are the very parents because of whose disobedience you lost 40 years of your life in the wilderness. But God says, when you go into the promised land, just because they messed up, you do not have the authority to curse them. You still have to honor them. So serious. And I believe this is possibly the most serious of all the sins that man commits. And that is the reason why you, when you heard the, uh, the, 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 the message on inexcusable, Paul names those people who sinned against authority. Alexander the coppersmith. Who did me so much harm, may the Lord repay him according to his deeds. Can you imagine Apostle Paul saying that? And then John will say in third John, he will say, Diatrophus who maliciously speaks bad about, about us and opposes our doctrine. May the Lord deal with him. Two people specifically mentioned by names because God takes that very seriously. And then when you repent of this, what does it tell us? When you repent of this kind of sin, you have to really, really go and humble yourself before all the people whom who were placed as authority over your life and do it one by one, one step at a time. If they are if they are gone to gone home to be with the Lord, you have to go go and do it before the Lord. But if they are alive, it is your responsibility to go and set right things with them because God takes that very seriously. Very seriously. And if they are unbelievers in, in your family, many of your parents are unbelievers, I believe th- their breakthrough will come if you humble yourselves before them. That is the reason why it says in uh, First Peter chapter 3, he says, without speaking a word, with your chaste conversation, you will be able to win over your husband if he's unbelieving. And I can, I can apply that to any principle, any situation where the authority is tough or evil. It's remarkable, right? It's remarkable. That's what I said in First Timothy chapter 6 verse 2. He says, if you have bosses who are believers, how should you work for them? You should work for them better. Just because he's your boss, you cannot just say, oh yeah, he's your brother. You cannot say, okay, brother, brother, you are my boss. You have to be absolutely serious about it. These are serious things in the kingdom of God. Principles on which your eternal destiny will lie. Okay. I mean, I remember so many times where I had to apologize to my, to my boss in, 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 in university. Just before the end of the year, I mean, end of the year and beginning of the next year. The Lord would tell me, send an email, email to mother. Professor Mother, sir, I did this, sir. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He doesn't respond, but he knows one thing, he can trust me. 
And my parents came. He didn't say that Vijay is a very good student. <laughs> you know what he said? Vijay is a very helpful guy. That's what he told my parents. I mean, you have to have to have this attitude towards, and especially the guy who is under submission has the greater sin if he does not submit to authority. That's we, we, we have understood that. Then what he actually deserves is death, and exactly what Abishai is saying. Abishai is saying, Baba, you deserve death. You know what David says? What I have to do with you, you sons of Zeruah, that you should be adversaries to me today. Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For I, for do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore, the king said to Shemiah, you shall not die. And the king swore to him, but did Shemiah end that way? No. No. You see? You shall know the tree by its fruit. You shall know the tree by its fruit. When servants run away from your house, you know what kind of a master you are. That's exactly what happens to Shimei. Three years. You shall stay in Jerusalem and I will not kill you. If you leave Jerusalem, your blood is upon your own head. Three years is okay. The third year, the servants run away. I mean, there's no change of heart. There is no change of heart. You see that. Whenever there is a person who is more powerful than you, you fear the person, the moment you know that this guy is weak, then your true, true colors will come out. You know how I know that? You know how I know that? Just, 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 just by example, for example, if you think that your parents are not very tech savvy, Okay, and there you are watching something, some trash thing on in the internet, and your parents will come and say, "What are you watching?" Ah, nothing, mama. Shudu, anta lekal jasuna. Because your parents are not tech savvy. Serious. You're mocking them in some sense, because they don't, they are not as. Intelligent or well-informed as you are, Boba, so serious. These things are absolutely serious. Authority, because authority comes from God. And that is the reason why when those people came and say, you know what, well, Lord, we do not know that you, that we know that you accept no man's person. And you do, and you teach everything in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay tithes, or not tithes, sorry, uh, for us to pay taxes to, to Caesar? Also to pay tithes to church. <laughs> Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar? Powerful, no? You know what, they, what he says? Give to God what belongs to God. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Telling him that, you know what? All authority first comes from God. Caesar is only delegated authority. So when you, when you're actually giving to Caesar, you're actually obeying and submitting yourself to God. Serious. We need to put that somewhere, right? It just comes. This is Shimei. So many of us, we need to repent of this very, very, very vigorously and we have to do it at different stages because all of us have messed up in this area. 
who has been absolutely genuine with your managers? I don't know. You need to ask yourself those questions, right? <laughs> Slaves those days, software engineers these days. You need to ask ourselves. <laughs> Sorry. There was one guy. I mean, I, 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 that is the reason why I believe David was, why was David restored? And why was Shimei not be able to was not be was not restored? Why I think there's one principle, there's one underlying principle there. One underlying principle. Why David, in spite of the fact that he several reasons, okay, man after God's own heart, several reasons, but one specific reason I believe is so very crucial about David. This is in Second Samuel chapter uh, chapter two, verse twenty-four. Uh, sorry, sorry, this is First Samuel chapter twenty-four. Uh, first, not second Samuel, first Samuel chapter 24, verse 4 onwards. This is at that cave, remember? The cave of Endurai. And Saul is gone inside and he is doing something. David. David, then when the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He didn't even say anything. He just cut the corner of Saul's robe. Then, the next verse is powerful. Now it happened afterward that David's heart was troubled. His conscience was pricking. Because he had cut off Saul's robe and he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. He still considers him his master. The Lord's anointed. To stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. And if even somebody comes and boasts that I have killed Saul, he says, how dare you stand and put your sword against the Lord's anointed. That is David. And I believe God sees all those things, saints. God sees all those areas where you treat your mother and father and everybody who is Place as authority over your life. God sees how you deal with him. And how you deal with them. God sees that. That is a very, very serious sin. That is how you justify God. You declare God to be righteous by telling him, Lord, every authority that you have placed over my life, in in spite of the fact that they may be unrighteous, they may be cruel, you are still right, I am still wrong. That's a very powerful statement I am making. Every time you say that, Lord... Why do we have parents like this, Lord? You know what you're saying? Lord, you're wrong. I'm right. Every time you have this, you say, Lord, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I deserve worse. Next person who said, I've sinned. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 to 14. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned. Against the Lord. And then Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. He does not say this to anybody else. The Lord has still not put away your sin. Your guilt still remains. You know why? Because your heart is not right with God. Why is this important? Why is this important? See, there is one thing Saying, I have sinned. It's like saying, I made a mistake. But there's another thing. Look at a very interesting parable. 
Luke's gospel chapter 18, everybody knows this. The Pharisee and the tax collector. Verse 11 onwards. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, etc., etc., etc. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful. What does he say? I have sinned. What does he say? I am a sinner. There's a difference between the two. I have sinned. But Lord, I'm not like that. You know it, right? That's how people, many people come say, I'm not like that. It's just a moment of indiscretion. It was not me. <laughs> it was just a moment of indiscretion. I did this. It was not me. I lost my temper. It was not me. No, no, no. It was you. You lost it. You, it, it was you who lost it. That is the reason why the Bible that you read determines your eternal destiny also. What did I say? The Bible that you read. I mean, every particular verse. You should understand, there are certain things which are taken away from the NIV Bible for a good reason and certain things which have been added into the KJV Bible for a good reason. Okay? Certain things which have been taken away from NIV Bible for the wrong reason. Certain things which have been added to the KJV Bible for the wrong reason. Oh, if you have your Bibles, somebody has a KJV Bible. And I forgot to put this. First, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Sorry, I, I just forgot to put that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse... Uh, so, sorry. Uh, it's not Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 5. Verse 21... And 22. Read somebody. Somebody has a NKJV Bible, you can say that. Read that. I'll, I'll read it after you, okay, for the, for the record. You have heard it was said, thou shalt not kill, murder, but whoever is judgment. Yes, then next verse. Ah, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Now you have the NIV Bible. Read verse 23, 22. Same. Somebody read it? I'll read it for you. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be in danger of judgment. What is missing? Without a cause is missing. Oh. Now, you'll say, hey, KJV translation is the closest. You know something? It's not there in ESV. It's not there in NASB. It is not there in NIV. It's not there in RSV. Why? I can be angry with a brother with a cause. You'll say, KJV will say, don't be angry without a cause. That means you can be angry with a cause. And you can also always search for a cause. You see? Which will, which, which, which translation scares you? NIV or KJV? <laughs> 
You see? The translations that we read also shows the kind of heart that we have. Oh, no, no. Uh, KJV is the closest. No, let us read KJV here. But when we come to the other parts, no, no, KJV is not that. Let's go to NIV. We, we all pick and choose, you see. See, the that, why? You know why? Because we always try to justify saying that was a moment of indiscretion. This guy is not saying that. He says, Lord, I have not sinned. I am a sinner. There's a difference. You see? I tell you, this man went down to his house. What? Justified. In Telugu, it's even more beautiful. Neeti mantuduga tirchabadi intikvelladanta. It's powerful in Telugu. Devudut atani neeti mantuduga neeti mantuduga tirchadanta. Tirchididad. He just literally declared him, you are righteous. You know why? Because he didn't say, I sinned Lord. I am a sinner. In other words, what does it mean, Lord? It doesn't matter whatever good I do, it if it is not from a repentant heart, it is marred by sin. I am a sinner. He's not gonna, he's not gonna boast on anything that he has done. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see that? This is a principle. Okay? That is the reason why First Timothy, why you know why Paul was able to finish his race? He comes to the end of his life and this is what he has to say. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save not the people who have sinned. Sinners and of all the sinners, I am the chief of all of them. So remarkable. Psalm 51, this is again David's Psalm verse 4. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and clear when you judge. Behold, Lord, right from my mother's womb, Lord, I'm shapen in iniquity and birthed in sin. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and the hidden part you make me know wisdom. But God doesn't just keep us that way, you see. Question today, how are you going to go back home today? I have sinned or I am a sinner. You see? You want to go home justified? You want to go home? See, the most liberating thing is to declare that constantly in your life and the more you do that, the more the righteousness of God will be fulfilled in your life. Honest people before God. God loves honest people. God doesn't like, I mean, if you try to beat around the bush and come with all kinds of reasons as to why you did that, How many of us say, and I was talking to one of the sisters when she came to our home, I said, you know, this is what I feel over so many years in my walk with the Lord. One thing I have realized as in my own life, in my own life, the moments I said, I did something when I said, Lord, that was wicked, Lord. That was wicked. That was not indiscretion. That was wicked, Lord. How did I even think those thoughts, Lord? That was a wicked thought. And the moment I said that, the depth of your of your confession determines the genuineness of your repentance. The depth. Lord, that was wicked. How did I do that, Lord? I did it, Lord. I was wicked. Nobody says that. Oh, I, I you know, I said, even when they come, um, my wife, I, I shouted at my wife, I did this, I did that, I did that. But never will anybody say, I was wicked. Say that and you'll see liberation happening in your heart. 
First thing. Otherwise, every other thing that you do will be marred with sin. Two more thoughts and I will stop. We just have been saved by grace through faith, but should we stop there? Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Again, repentance is a gift from God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are what? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You see, justification after you have been declared righteous with Lord, every other thing that you do, only those works will count. Every other other work is marred by sin. And you know what he says? We are God's what? Workmanship. The Greek word is poema. From which we get the word poem. God is writing a huge poem and you are a part of it. And you complete God's poem. How? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them, not do them, walk in them. Your works will prove the fact that you have been justified. That is the reason why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now you are free to do the works of God. The righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in your hearts. For those who do not walk after the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. Every other work after you are being justified counts. Otherwise, every other work is marred by sin and absolutely worthless before God. Because there is no truth in it. There is no truth in it. Very tough, but it is true. Truth hurts before it heals. It is good for us to consider this day, today. Lord, what am I doing, Lord? Is, am I trying to see? When we, even when we sin, right? How quickly do you repent? You know how, sometimes how, how, I, how it happens with me? Today I fall. I'm so frustrated with myself. So what I'll do? Lord, one week I will not sin. Two weeks I will not sin. On the third week I will come to you and say, Lord, that day I sinned. I'm not that bad. You see? I did... Everything right. I deserve your forgiveness actually. Two weeks. Let me, let me come straight. I, I used to do that when, when I was a young believer. So many times. This one week. Ah, oh, I've sinned today. Fine. Next day I'm not going to do it. Next day, third, four, five, one week. Lord, that day. It's like, you know, do so many things. You can do that with your earthly boss. Let's, for example, let's say you messed up in a particular thing and now for the next five days you work hard and do something good and get the good thing and, to, and tell him, you know what, this is a very good product, sir. Oh, fantastic. You know, sir, I also want to confess something. You know, I did that something wrong that day. Ah, it's okay. This product is very good. That's what we think about God also. The moment you have sinned, every other thing that you are starting to do is a lie. You don't realize that. Because God says you, des- you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the inward parts you desire to know wisdom. And that is the reason why David will say, Lord, search me and try me. Know me and say, see if there is any what? Bad way? No, a wicked way in me. Wicked way. 
ओके विकेट वे वी दैट इज द रीजन व्हाई हार्ट इज डिसीटफुल अबाउट ऑल थिंग्स एंड डेस्परेटली विकेट who can know it i the lord search the hearts and i will give every man according to his works whether it comes from a deceitful heart or whether it comes from a confessed and a clear and a clean and a true heart you see that is the reason why there are four kinds of soil the people on the wayside hard ground thorny places and good soil and you know what is the explanation of the good soil these are those people out of a good and an honest heart they have received the word there was something about that heart a good and an honest heart search all the three gospels mark's gospel chapter 4 matthew chapter 13 and luke chapter 18 luke, luke chapter 8 three gospels you search it out of an honest and a good heart the fourth kind of soil is an honest and a good heart they receive the word and they bring forth fruit unto righteousness titus chapter 3 but when the kindness of the and the love of god our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the holy spirit boy whom he poured out on us abundantly through jesus christ our savior that having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life first justification and then does he stop there no Look at what he says in the next verse. This is a faithful saying and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain those good works. That means after you have been justified, now prove that in your life you are obeying God through your good works. Because faith without works is dead. It will show. It will show. Every genuine conversion will show. If you have genuinely spent time with God, there will be joy in your lives. You cannot spend time with Jesus and not be joyful. See? You cannot. You cannot. If you have spent time with Jesus, you will have joy in your life. because the righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit that is the kingdom of god and whenever paul says paul will not say oh i know that you guys are going through intense persecution has been beaten up etc no 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 he says rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice from where from the prison where he is lying in the gutter almost he writes a letter saying rejoice in the lord always it is impossible for you to stay with god meet and spend time with god and not have joy it will show otherwise every other thing is dead okay amen shall we pray <laughs> we'll continue pastor james will continue in the next topic if i'm right he's going to talk about what is sin and what is evil he just gave me a preview i'm preparing you for that there's a difference amen shall we pray father <clears throat> you're a good god father sp- letter plus the spirit brings life letter minus the spirit brings death i pray father that you would bring life into our lives today father we want to go back home justified lord we don't want to please you with deeds which are lies if you have sinned we want to confess repent renounce be justified because you said lord there is therefore now no 
condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, it is your desire that we should walk guiltless and guilt-free, O oh Lord. That is the promise of the old, of the new covenant, O oh Lord. That you will purge our conscience, Father, from guilt and shame, from evil works, so that we can stand with a clear conscience before God. A conscience that has been made perfect before God. Oh Lord, have mercy this morning, this evening, O Lord, and touch every one of us. Father, convict us, rebuke us, chastise us, exhort us, and Lord, I pray, justify us, cleanse us. Who can bring any charge against us? It is the Lord who justifies. Those whom he has predestined, he has called. Whom he has called, he has justified. And those whom he has justified, he will glorify if we continue in our work of salvation and continuous repentance in our lives. Father, we thank you. Come at every one of us. Even as we go back to the rest of this week, I pray, Father, that we will walk in truth. Walk in the light of what we have heard. Grant us grace. Grant us the grace, O Lord, Father, to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly before you. Through this week, day by day, week by week, moment by moment. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.